0: Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at CBA and today I'm joined by Gareth Ed, our Head of Australian Economics. Gareth, nice to have you on and just a heads up for our listeners, we're going to be talking about something a little bit more positive today.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, hi, Belinda. Look, it's been a, a fascinating week really <laughs> for economists and market participants, lots of stuff um, going on and, and lots of stuff, of course, to talk about.
0: Now, we would normally post the inflation report, probably do a deep dive into that, but as you said, this week there's been so much else going on between the inflation print, which – came in higher than expected, which has led to a whole repricing of when the Reserve Bank's going to lift interest rates, which we will touch on today. But it's also timing for us because we've also upgraded our Australian economic outlook, and that's obviously the first time we've done that since the extended lockdowns in New South Wales and Victoria. And the story around that is really very positive. We've seen a very strong uptake of vaccination rates here, particularly on the East Coast, we've seen the labour market uh, not deteriorate as much as what we had feared, and the economies in New South Wales and Victoria have opened earlier than what we had expected. So a lot of good news to unpack. How are you feeling about the economy?
1: Look, look, that's right. Uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, we People that follow our work and listen to our podcast and whatnot will know that you know, right through the back end of last year, through the first half of this year, we were really upbeat on how the economy would go. Um, You know, we got very strong economic outcomes and then, of course, Delta arrived. And so we were concerned then that once we got through the lockdowns that, you know, when the economy reopens, uh, even though you'd have 80% odd people vaccinated, you'd have a lot of people still unvaccinated and that would mean we get some pretty rough health outcomes for about six months or so and therefore it's not smooth sailing for the economy. But um, what's turned out... What's ended up happening is that um, um, the vast majority of people have been vaccinated and in New South Wales, which is leading the, the vaccination rate nationally. We've got almost 95% of uh, the 16 plus population have had a vaccine. So where, where we're thinking, what we're thinking now is that um, COVID, while it's still going to be with us, is not going to um, be as problematic on the health side. We'll, we'll get much better health outcomes because the vaccine works and people are vaccinated that in turn will mean much better economic outcomes. Yeah. And therefore, as we go through this year, if, if COVID disruptions are pretty minimal, then the economy has, uh, it, it, it looks set to boom. I mean, that the and we can obviously go into this, but mm. there's lots to like about, what's in the pipeline for the economy.
0: So one of the indicators we've been waiting to see is how quickly spending resumed as economies reopen. So we've seen that in New South Wales, we've seen that partially in Victoria, but based on our internal CBA credit and debit card data, it looks like spending in New South Wales has certainly kicked higher. They're, given the high vaccination rates, people have been quite comfortable to get out there and move about in the, in the economy.
1: Look, look, that's right. And the beauty of working at the bank, obviously, we's, we have very you know, timely, high-frequency yep. data on spending. And since New South Wales has reopened, spending in the space of about a week and a half uh, has rebounded to where it was pre-Delta, um, which is which is just incredible. I mean, it's basically done what it was doing coming out of mini lockdowns. Yep. Only this time we'd come out of a, a four-month-odd lockdown, and yet spending has just surged back. And um, which obviously means that employment has roared back because if businesses are open selling things but, and these businesses were previously closed, well, they need their workers. So we're going to see a very speedy rebound in both spending and employment over the rest of the December quarter, uh, which means by the time we get to the end of the year, the economy should be um, on a very entrenched um, good path forwards, And you know, that's going to be partly due to the fact that the health outcomes will be good yeah. at least we think they will because of high vaccination rates so you know the the, the dynamics we've been talking about households having saved so much yeah. money and lots of money sitting in bank accounts all of that uh, is, is absolutely intact and then you overlay some better health outcomes and spending um, looks set to recover very, very very quickly there's no reason that it won't bounce very quickly in Victoria interstate borders will be open pretty soon I think there'll be lots of pent-up demand and I think we'll see some very good economic outcomes.
0: Yeah, we did see a big lift in things like personal care, eating and drinking out, uh, even clothing as well. So certainly Mm. a lot of people getting back out and about. One of the other themes that we have seen is the labour market didn't deteriorate as much as what we had thought. Certainly, we thought with the absence of JobKeeper, we would see worse outcomes, but we haven't. And given how tight the labour market was pre the extended lockdown, we do think the labour market will heal very quickly from here.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we did still see a very big fall in employment. Um, If you look at what happened in New South Wales and Victoria, combined employment contracted by around 350000 over the lockdowns, which is an extraordinary decline Mm. in employment. But what we also saw over that period of time was that unemployment didn't go up. And so what that um, meant to us, and, and in hindsight, you know, being able to think about this a little bit more fully is that the vast majority of people who um, were stood down because of lockdowns would have known that as soon as the economy reopened, they were going back to their old job. Mm-hmm. And even though we didn't have the job keeper mechanism, which was kind of formally tying a worker to their employer, um, informally, no doubt, those discussions continued and, and people knew what, what was happening as soon as the economy reopened. So yeah, that, that, no doubt, is um, is what's happened. And, and part of the reason we're, we're pretty sure of that is that job security fears, as measured by the monthly Melbourne Institute survey, have remained very low mm. uh, right through the lockdowns, consistent with a very low level of unemployment. So it, it indicates that at no point during the lockdowns were households, as a, as a collective, Overly worried about future employment, I think you know households just knew that if we get through the lockdowns and things reopen, then there's jobs to go back to. And I think when the official data um, drops, and it won't be until the uh, November and December employment reports that we capture that, we'll just see a, a huge rebound in employment. And um, you know, the vast majority of people that were stood down will be back in a job. And in fact, if you look at the job vacancy series, um, they've held up really well, suggests that um, you know, lots of lots of businesses are hiring. And I think that the labour market will tighten very quickly from here.
0: Now, the question on everyone's lips at the moment is, is the lift in inflation that we saw in the third quarter a sign of a trend or is it transitory? And I think that's a question the central bank's going to be trying to answer as well. But certainly Mm. based on the improved economic outlook, the huge amount of savings that we've had in the Australian economy, we are going to see inflation lift from here
1: that's right that's that's what we think and it, we, we've thought for a while that higher inflation was in the pipeline um because the the, the stimulus put into the economy was incredible mm. a lot of it didn't find its way into the economy because households couldn't spend it so it was, a, it was building up in bank accounts and that meant as soon as the economy um, got some clear air and, and people would get out there and about spending that you'd get a uh, you get a surge in demand and, we, and off the back of that you get a, a lift in inflation then of course Working the other way, you've got some uh, increase in input costs yeah. uh, coming through. And we're seeing this globally, and that, and that acts to put up with pressure on inflation as well. So we got the first um, proper increase in inflation in the CPI that came out on Wednesday. And as you, as you said in the opening, I mean, that, that's uh, had implications yeah. for markets. But it's our, our view that this wasn't a one-off. Uh, this is actually the inflection point. As we go through next year, we'll see, you know, broad-based inflation. And we're not talking you know, spirally out of control or anything like, anything like that, but breaking the disinflationary impulse that we had pre-COVID, where underlying inflation ends up um, drifting upwards towards the middle of the Reserve Bank's target band. Uh, and that's ultimately what the central bank expects to see. Um, you know, we, we, we talked, I think, one of the previous podcasts yeah. around, you know, this fiscal splurge has been um, financed by money printing. Um and it would be odd if we didn't see higher inflation off the back of that. Oh. Um, I think, yeah. yeah.
0: And especially, I think, in the global context as well, not only do we have that impulse in Australia, those local factors, but globally at the moment, mm. we have seen a lot of supply constraints that are impacting on a, a variety of different prices and then overlaying that with what we also expect on the wages side as well.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I think that the inflation wages picture is a really interesting one um, because you know, there's there's sort of a – a lot of people have the idea out there that you need the unemployment rate to, come, to get very, very low before you see some upward pressure applied to, to wages growth and that you need that to happen then for inflation to go up because businesses will respond to higher wages and put up prices. But there's something of a chicken and the egg relationship between wages and inflation where wage agreements are often negotiated off – Actual inflation, and so when you're in a situation like we had pre-COVID, where your inflation rates around one and three quarter percent, well, it becomes very hard for a worker to be asking for anything north of two and a half percent because they, you, you're getting then a huge real wage increase, and so you you get this cycle of entrenched low wages and low inflation outcomes. Whereas this time around, if inflation's actually picking up, then a lot of wage negotiations will take place off. Pointing to higher actual inflation, and, you know, you have union officials, uh, government, you know, bigger companies, uh, even individuals, all negotiating uh, their wage, their, their wage outcomes by pointing to higher inflation, and then you end up with a situation where both wages and inflation are moving higher, and there is something of a chicken and the egg relationship because either one can pull the other one up, and you know, th- this is ultimately what the cent- central bank wants. This is what the Reserve Bank is desperate to see a resetting of inflation and wages expectations upward. And we think that's what we're going to get through next year, which allows them uh, to, to finally raise the cash rate.
0: So we've got underlying inflation to be 2.5% by mid-2022. So based on yep. that, which which was an upgrade as we reran our economic numbers, we, do, we have changed our view on the RBA. And look, anyone in financial markets this week has seen – the market behaving very uh, oddly at the moment or trying to price in chances of a RBA rate hike much earlier than what the RBA is saying, which is 2024 at the earliest. So what have we done around the RBA? There's so many different uh, policies that we can talk about that the RBA has underway. So I guess maybe just some overarching thoughts about the RBA, and then we can also talk about the policy options.
1: Yeah, sure. So, so the RBA has got a a few different policies in play mm-hmm. at the moment, all obviously designed to boost the economy and get wages and inflation up. Um, they've got the bond buying program, which mm-hmm. is quantitative easing. As we've you know, said previously, that's actually money printing and it's uh, indirectly financing the government, which has an inflationary component too. They've got the yield curve control, um, which is causing a bit of problems in markets at the moment, yeah. given uh, that well, today we're recording this on, uh, on Thursday yes. and they haven't actually stepped in to defend that target. So we're all waiting to see how that goes then next week, what they say on that. But then, of course, they've got the cash rate. And the the thing that they talk most about is the cash rate. And what they've said there is that the hurdle to raise the cash rate is quite high. They want to see inflation, underlying inflation, that is sustainably within the target. And they want to see it around the midpoint of the target band and to hold there for a few quarters before raising, uh, raising the cash rate. And the logic there is by the time you get, inflation up to around the middle of the target bands holding there for a few quarters well you've reset inflation expectations higher and so based on our forecast for inflation mm-hmm. well we think we get to the middle of the target band by next year uh, it'll hold there for a couple of quarters it might even drift a little bit higher and then you, you've met the conditions for a rate hike and um you know i think by that stage as long as it's clear that wages growth is moving higher uh, there is no reason why the central bank will not be normalizing the cash rate and There'll be, there'll be a number of other central banks globally doing the same thing. So, it'll be a, a part of a, a global tightening cycle that the Reserve Bank is lifting the cash rate into.
0: So, we've got the first cash rate hike in November 2022. So, that will take the cash mm. rate from 0.1% where it is now to 0.25% and then a shallow and gradual tightening cycle from there. So, we've got the peak at 1.25% in Q3 2024
1: yeah, that, that's right. It's probably worth saying that um, you know, prior to this um, um, forecast upgrade, we had the Reserve Bank hiking interest rates in uh, beginning that cycle in, in May of 2023. So, we pulled that the, the beginning of that tightening cycle forward six months. But funnily enough, that, that takes it back to where we'd put okay. it in for pre-Delta. Um, and you can really reconcile the, the change of call by the fact that we thought that Delta would delay the economy by around six months because of the issues on the health front. As it's turned out with these high vaccination rates, we're pretty confident, or certainly our central scenario is now that we don't take a step backwards on the health side and we don't see restrictions come back in. That means we're sort of more back to the way we thought about the economy pre-Delta. And in a lot of ways, we've kept our view on the central bank pretty consistent, and that is that they can raise the cash rate by the end of next year.
0: So they've also got the yield curve control Uh, policy, and that's causing a lot of issues in markets at the moment. So they're targeting the April 2024 bond at 0.1%. So that's the same as the policy rate. Markets post that inflation print and also the move globally in inflation are starting to price in rate hikes earlier than that. So the yield on that has lifted and the RBA has not defended that target. So there are question marks about whether or not the RBA does abandon its yield curve control program. Earlier. Currently, we're saying it could be May 2022, but recent events in financial markets really does pose that question that when do they do that and do they do that earlier?
1: That, look, that's exactly right. I mean, um, by doing nothing today, that, mm. that meant a lot. Um, we've seen, you know, the money markets sell off a lot. Um, yeah, there always is the potential for the Reserve Bank to do something tomorrow, but um, and some listeners will be will be tuning in this oh, when yes. tomorrow, as in <laughs> Friday's already passed. But but if they don't do anything again tomorrow, then um, we'll hear something definitely around the yield curve target on Tuesday at the yeah. Reserve Bank's November board meeting. If they get rid of the yield curve target, then they'll also that means they're getting rid of the 2024 forward guidance on the mm-hmm. cash rate and it means they're going to make some uh, material changes to their inflation profile. Now, I, I still think that whatever they end up doing on the inflation front with their forecast profile, they will still look very dovish relative to the market, and they'll, they'll look dovish, I think, I think relative to our call. But if, if they've arrived at the view that they're no longer convinced that the cash rate is going to be on hold it until 2024, which is what they've been saying and what the yield curve target implies then I think it's, it's the right policy response to, to recognise that and um, that, that, that looks to be coming on, on Tuesday when the, when the board meets at the, the Melbourne Cup board meeting.
0: I can't believe it's going to be November next week but well, that's a whole different story and then <laughs> <laughs> thanks lockdown and then also the bond buying program which they have already started to taper so we do expect them to taper further uh, in February before winding that program up.
1: That's right. Um, so they, they stuck with the taper um, a couple of months ago, but uh, even though we were in the, the mm. Delta shock, but they did extend out um, th- their, their commitment. They had committed to buying at $4 billion a week until November. They extended that until February of next year. So we think it's logical then that they'll, when they review that in February, they'll, they'll taper again because the economy will be on you know, such an entrenched recovery path. We've obviously had the upside surprise on inflation. They won't want to pull up stumps on that program straight away, though. So we think they'll do two billion a week a uh, bond buying through to May, and that then marks the end of, of quantitative easing. Um, you yeah, you've got then six months odd between uh, then and November when they, uh, when we think they'll they'll, uh, they'll raise the cash rate. But you know, once they've exited um, uh, QE and once they're no longer got the yield curve target there, then in theory they can react. Um, pretty much straight away if the if the data ends up making the case that they need to go even earlier but I think I think this is still a central bank um, that it's, it's going to be very patient yes. um, I think that they, they would rather be late than be early which means they, they're going to need to see those actual prints um, but we think they will have seen a few by the time we get to um, the back end of next year and, and, and that underpins our call on the cash rate
0: what's the key risk
1: look, there's a lot. Um, (laughs) The
0: key one. (laughs) one. We don't have that much more time, the key one.
1: (laughs) COVID is the obvious one and any kind of um, uh, new variant that renders the vaccines ineffective and fingers crossed that that doesn't happen. But I think the other one um, is is around immigration. Um, We don't know what the reopening of the border looks like, international border that is, in terms of the flow of people into the country. Mm. Um, It's our expectation that we won't go back to the levels of net overseas migration that we had pre-COVID, which are very high, that we don't go back to those next year. Um, on that basis, you know, we're comfortable that the labour market will tighten at a, at a pretty decent rate and wages growth will come through. But there is that risk if we suddenly saw a surge in uh, foreign workers that were looking for jobs, that that would mean that labour market slack would end up um, staying a bit elevated and it would be harder for that wages inflation to come through. Not our base case, but but definitely a risk.
0: Gareth, it's been great to get your take on just the moving parts at the moment and definitely what's been influencing financial markets, which is, I think, the improved Australian economic outlook and particularly on the inflation side. Thanks for joining.
1: Pleasure and uh, all eyes on the Reserve Bank next Next week week at the November meeting.
0: That's right. So you can read Gareth Eds' report, which is the upgrade of the Australian Economic Outlook, and that was published on the 28th of October 2021, the same day that we recorded this podcast, which was ahead of the RBA November meeting. And you can find that on combankresearch.com.au. And where CBA data is referred to, this means the proprietary data of the bank. As the statistics take into account only the bank's data, It may not reflect all trends in the market. All customer data used or represented is anonymised and aggregated before analysis and is used and disclosed in accordance with the bank's privacy policy.